0: All the time that he needs today, we want him to come this morning, amen, and talk to us just whatever he has on his heart. Brother Conroy has been here before, some of you remember him during our conference last year, amen. We're just happy to have this good man of God, amen, with us. God bless Brother Joseph Conroy, hallelujah. God bless. Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, it's a privilege to be here this morning, a privilege to be in the presence of the living God. This is your first time in a church that believes in allowing Jesus Christ to fill every empty place in your life. Boy, it's a privilege for you to be here, and we're so happy to see you this morning. Praise God. You know, someone asked me one time, they came up to me and said, well, Brother Conroy, what's the hardest part of missionary work? Is it leaving your home and your family and your friends and your home church your country and everything you know and getting on a plane and going over to the other side of the world and there you're with a new language and new religions and new people and everything is new. They said, Brother Conroy, is that the hardest part of missionary work? And I had to tell them, no, that's not the hard part. That's the easy part. The hard part's not the going. The hard part's the coming back. Because not only do you have to leave everything that you've prayed so long, oh God, please, Lord, we need to see some souls springing up here, God. We need to see some people coming in and obeying the gospel. But then you get back to America, and every day you're in a different city and a different place, and the people don't know you from Adam. And if you're like me, it's hard to stand up in front of so many people and just talk to them. They seem like they sit out there half the service, scratching their heads, trying to figure out, is this guy for real or what? Is he really apostolic or what? Does he really believe the word of God like a man needs to believe the word of God or what? And I would think, oh, Lord. That's so hard. Just about the time everybody feels comfortable with you, it's time for service to be over, and you're out of there and on to your next city, and I would think, oh, God, this is too hard. I said, Lord, we need some wisdom. The Lord just kind of spoke to me, and I thought what we'd do is we'd just sing a song for you this morning that pretty much sums up what we believe and teach over there in the Middle East. And uh, I bet you thought you knew a lot about Sister Spell, but I bet none of you knew she could play Arabic gospel music. Bet you didn't know that. So I thought we'd sing this song this morning. Uh, We'd sing it one time in Arabic. And those of you that know it in Arabic, feel free to join right in. And then uh, we'll get to English. And if you know it in English, join right in,
1: please. But in Arabic, it goes like this. (laughs) Satashehu Filiyel Bittakit Satajidwasema. Hill Alama Utia Mamutia yes, yes, it shall be light in the evening time. The path to glory you will surely find. It is the waterway. Like today, baptized in Jesus' name, oh, young and old. That God and Christ are one Let's sing it again It shall be light In the evening time The path to glory You will surely find It is the waterway It is the light today name oh young and old repent of all your Hallelujah. hallelujah hallelujah to god i praise you lord i praise you god hallelujah lord praise the name of jesus hallelujah praise the lord praise the lord you can be seated thank you so much
0: praise god well i'll tell you with the change in the weather my voice changed i never sang that low before <laughs> praise god well i'll tell you you know uh i really appreciate uh elder spell to let me come and speak to you this morning and I didn't have it in my mind that I was going to be back tonight, so that's just so much easier for me. Because there's so much to tell. And trying to put it into one little time, is so hard. Do you know Elder Spell told me to make my fe- myself feel at home this morning, take my liberty, and I'm going to do just that. You know, this morning, I- I'm not going to talk to you so much about the Middle East. I'll do that tonight. But I will talk about missions this morning. I'll tell you, you know what we need so much in the world today? We need missionaries. We need them so much. You know that's what each and every one of us are. That's what you and I are all about. We are missionaries. We are God's mission to this lost world. Praise God, whether we're in a little storefront church or a beautiful, enormous assembly like this, you and I are God's witnesses that there is a way to have peace with God. I know the need for missionaries because I grew up and I didn't have a missionary. You might think, well, Brother Conroy, where did you grow up? In Tibet? zanzibar yemen where did you grow up well i grew up in a place maybe even a little bit stranger than zanzibar i grew up in chicago illinois and we didn't have a missionary up there you know i grew up on that whole north side of chicago to this very day you can't hardly find a church that teaches the full gospel of jesus christ you know as i grew up i grew up a typical chicago youth and if you've been to chicago you know something It's a city that's really, it's a city of cities. You've got an Irish neighborhood, and that's what I was. Boy, and everybody in our neighborhood was Irish. Not only was everybody in our neighborhood Irish, but if you're Irish, you're Catholic. The next neighborhood over was the French neighborhood. Boy, and they was all French. And if you know anything about the French, you know they're Catholic. The next neighborhood over was the Italian neighborhood, and boy, they was all Italian. And if you know anything about the Italians, you know, they all Catholic. And then the Polish neighborhood, and they were Catholic. And the Germans, and they were Catholic. And we grew up, I'll tell you, as I was growing up a little boy, I just thought everybody in America was Catholic. We didn't know there was anything else. Now, a lot of people kind of make fun about the Catholic Church and a lot of the things they do, but I'll tell you, I got a lot of good things out of the Catholic Church. You know what my first memories were growing up outside of my home? was going to church every single morning. As my dad would get up, get ready for work, and my mom would get up and fix the kids' breakfast, boy, we'd head out. Before my dad rode into the city on a train, we'd go to church. Now, you know what? We didn't know enough about God to make heaven our home, but you know what? We had a fear of God in our home. And you know what? I, I believe the Lord placed that there because he saw what we could be if we would just really discover that salvation message that he gave. To his beautiful children praise God well grew up there and when I was six years old I started to school and I went to a public school and about the second week there boy my eyes was just open one day I was sitting there in the cafeteria eating my lunch and my friends were sitting on the same side of the table as I was and this little boy marched himself over to the other side of the table he sat down he reached in his pocket he took out a little black book and he slammed it down in front of me and he said You're Catholic. You need to read that. And I thought, oh, good Lord. He said, y'all pray to Mary. You're Babylon. You're going to hell. And I thought, oh, good night. I I tried to tell him, no, I'm not from Babylon. I'm Irish. But he kept going on. You're going to burn. You're going to burn if you don't read this book. And he picked it up and he put it back in his pocket and he walked off. And I thought, well, now, wait a minute. If I'm going to burn, if I don't read that book, how come he took it back? And he just left. And I turned to my friends I said my goodness what is this little boy what what religion is that they said oh he's baptist well I had never heard of that and so I went to the priest a couple of days later and I said father I said you know there's a little boy at our school and he just yelled at me and told me I was from babylon and he said he's some religion named baptist and I said what is that the priest said oh joseph you don't have n- nothing to do with them and I said, well, Father, I don't think I will, but what are they? And the priest began to tell me, he said, oh, Joseph, they're nothing. He said, if you go to their church, why, they don't even have any statues. And I thought, a church without statues, That's, that'd be like a house without a roof. To me, I couldn't imagine that. And he said, and not only that, but they don't baptize babies, and they don't sprinkle when they baptize. They have a big old bathtub, and when you get 12 years old they drag you down to the water and throw you in and dunk you down and bring you back up and that's all there is to them and you don't need to have anything to do with them and i said well father that's all right i was just wondering what it was a little bit later i met another boy and i talked to him and you know in the first grade in the catholic church we would do this thing called making our first communion was a big old deal and you have to go to these classes and classes and classes to get ready for that and I noticed one of my friends was never in the class, so I I turned to him one day, and I said, well, Frank, how come you're never in in class? Aren't you going to make your first communion? And He said, well, um," I said, what? He said, "Uh, I'm not Catholic. And I thought, oh, good Lord, there's two of them. In this world, there's two, and they're not Catholic. And so I said, well, are you Baptist? He said, no, I'm Christian Scientist. And I didn't have to ask the priest what that is. I thought I had that one figured out. Uh, And so I just left him alone. But I thought, oh, the Christian scientists, well, that must be like on Sunday when they go to church, I thought they probably like come in the lobby and slip on a white lab coat and go into their church. And then instead of pews, they probably have these big old long tables with Bunsen burners and beakers and test tubes. And they probably just all get together on Sundays and do experiments for Jesus and I wouldn't be any good at that because I wasn't good in science. So I, I thought, well, that's interesting, but I, I don't think I'd ever want anything to do with that. That was the only two I ever, ever met personally. But there was a third religion that I heard about from my mother. Now if you know Irish people, you know they really like scary stories. And my mother a full blood boy. She just loved to tell me scary stories and she would always wait until just at bedtime. and When I'd be laying there in my bed, she'd come in to tell me these stories. And The story I liked the most was the scariest of all. And she'd come in and she'd sit down on my bed and she'd say, Now, Joseph, I'm going to tell you a story tonight. And I would say, Yes. She'd say, And it's a scary story. And I would say, Yes. She'd say, And the scariest thing of this story is it's true. And boy, that would do it. I would be so scared. She'd say, I want to tell you about these people that you have to promise me. You will always, always stay away from them. And I said, yeah, yeah, who, who? She said, it's a religion. I said, oh, yeah, well, what, what? She'd say, Joseph, these people are the holy rollers. And boy, when she would say that, I'd be scared because I knew what was coming. She'd say, Joseph, they are the scariest people of all. She'd say, when I was a little girl growing up in Denver, Colorado, between my house and the school I went to, there was a holy roller church. She'd say, Joseph, we'd go by in the morning, and they'd all be in there praying. She'd say, you'd hear those people going, oh, oh, and she would do that, and I would get scared. She'd say, I tell you, Joseph, we'd walk by, and we'd look in the door, and she'd say, Joseph, you know, in the front of every one of their churches, the first thing they do is build a big old platform. She'd say, when they come into church, they all come in, and they sit there, and sit there, and sit there, real quiet. She said, then all of a sudden, someone will jump up and start yelling, The Spirit has me! The Spirit has me! And that'll make them run up on the platform, and they get out, and they jump out, and they run around and get in the back of the line, and they all start rolling on the ground and hitting their heads and hitting themselves, and, oh, Joseph, they're crazy. You've got to promise me you'll always, always stay away from the holy rollers. And I would say, oh, yes, Mom, I promise you, I will always stay away from the holy rollers. And you know... I'll tell you, kids are so funny, but I can remember sitting there playing with my brother, making a puzzle or something. You know how kids get all that energy in them, and we'd be playing that puzzle or putting that game together, and all of a sudden, we'd both just jump up and start running around and jumping on the couch and rolling on the ground, yelling, The Spirit has me! The Spirit has me! And we used to play holy Roller. I had no idea what that was. And so uh, by the time I was 13, my mother and father, we, they separated, and so... My mother and my two younger brothers and I, we moved out to a place called Fresno, California. And I I thought when we was getting ready to go to California, I thought, man, that's going to be beaches and orange trees and Disneyland and movie stars everywhere. That's what I thought. When we got to Fresno, it was just the big old desert right there in the middle. Oh, it was so depressing. It was so hot. I thought, good Lord, why did you bring us to this horrible place? But you know what? God's got a plan for everybody and everything. Hallelujah to God. I was 13 years old and I was sitting in the living room one afternoon and it was about 110 degrees outside and there was a knock at our door. And I got up and went to open the door and when I opened the door there was this little, little elderly lady. I felt that heat come blasting in at me and I looked at her and she held this little bag up and she said, you know who I am? And I looked at her and I thought, no ma'am, I'm sorry, I don't know who, who are you. And she said, oh, you know who I am. And I thought, oh, good Lord. It's so hot outside. She's probably walking home from the store, and she's had a heat stroke. And she probably thinks this is her home. And I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm so sorry. Would you please come in? I, I, I don't know who you are. Is there someone I could call for you? She said, oh, no. You know who I am. She held that bag up again and said, I'm a Jehovah Witness. Well, I had never heard of them. So she looked at my face, so I didn't know who she was. And so uh, she said, do you mean to tell me you don't know who we are? I said, no, ma'am, I'm sorry, I don't. She said, well, we're Jehovah Witnesses. She said, didn't you ever see us going door to door to door in your neighborhood? And I said, well, yeah, I saw that before. She said, you don't know who we are? I said, well, are, are you like life insurance salesmen or fuller brush salesmen or something? She said, no. She said, we're going telling people about the kingdom of God. Well, no one had ever come to my house telling me about the kingdom of God. Well, I'll tell you, there were so many churches in our city that knew this truth, and nobody ever came to my house to tell me the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible said that God moves in mysterious ways his wonders to perform. I really believe that God has spoken to so many apostolic people to knock on my door, and they never did. And I think just out of exasperation, God moved on a Jehovah Witness to come to my door. Because that's how I started reading the Bible. She handed me this little magazine and said, Did you know that Jesus is coming back to the earth again? And when I read that, I thought, Oh boy, false religion. I didn't say that. I just, she turned around and left. And I thought, Jesus coming back to the earth again? That's not true. Everybody knows that. Jesus left. He's not coming back again. And, I was getting ready to rip up that magazine and then on the bottom it said you can find this out in your own Bible. And and you know a lot of people say Catholics don't believe in the Bible. That's not true. We do. A lot of people say well Catholics don't have Bibles. That's not true. We do. The only thing is we just never read them because they tell you this book takes years of study. They say why well, the priests have to go to college for 12 years just to begin to understand the word of God. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says about itself. That this way is so simple that a fool could walk in it. Praise God. Jesus came. He said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So I thought, well, that's probably in that Jehovah Witness Bible. I heard uh, uh, in that magazine, oh, they said no one had the right Bible, but they did. I saw ah, they made their own I know in the Catholic Bible it doesn't say Jesus is coming back again. So I went and I got our Bible, and it took me a little while, but I found it over there in John. And as I was reading, boy, sure enough, Jesus said, I'm going away. He said, I, in my Father's house are many mansions that were not true. I wouldn't tell you this. He said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. And then he said, and if I go away, I will come again. And boy, when I saw that, I thought, oh God, all oh, this time we never knew that, Jesus. Then I thought, well, i bet maybe that's just symbolic. I'll bet that's the only place in the Bible that says that. So I started looking through the other gospels. and Man, time and time and time again, Jesus said, I'm coming back again. I'm coming back again. He said, watch and pray. I'm coming back again. He said, be found worthy. Be found A fish They say, but the biggest problem, if you have an impossible problem, you pray to St. Jude. He's the one that will help you there. Boy, I was over there, and I was just praying away because I had a problem that I thought was so impossible. I just wasn't understanding the Bible. And so I was back there praying, oh, St. Jude, if you love me, would you please get up, go over to Jesus, and talk to him? You know, it's so funny to live in a world where there's a Bible, and you're just so steeped in darkness that you don't even know how to come to God for yourself. Well, I was over there praying, Oh, St. Jude, please go over to Jesus. Tell him to speak to me again. I think if he spoke to me, it would open my mind even more. And I just said, Oh, St. Jude, Oh, St. Jude, Oh, St. Jude. And you know, I was in the middle of praying to St. Jude, and the Lord spoke to me for the second time. Another verse from the Bible that I had read and read and read, but it had just never stuck out to me. But as I was praying to St. Jude, God just broke through to me and said, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. And boy, when God spoke that to me, I knew what a mediator was. See, I grew up in Chicago. That's a union town. And I knew what a mediator was. If you got the boss and then you've got all the workers. And when there's some kind of problem between the boss and the workers, man, those workers get violent. They smash windows, break cars, set fires. They just wrong. Boy, and they out in the street, and it's just up in, it's like a little revolution. The boss is there thinking, man, they're not going to get anything until they get right with me. Well, you know what? You've got this problem between the workers and the boss. They have these guys called mediators that come, and what their job is, they make peace between the boss and the workers. And when God spoke that to me, for, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. I thought, oh, hallelujah. Then Jesus is my mediator. The minute he said that, in my mind, I saw the cross in the back of my mind. I thought, God, this is the mediation. This is what it's all about. When Jesus died for me, he opened up a new and living way for me to come straight to God. You know, I didn't know what the next verse said, but you know what it says? It says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Praise God. Oh, well, so I thought, well, God, then that means don't pray to St. Nicholas anymore, right? The Lord said, that's right. I said, well, God, that means don't, pr- don't pray to St. Blaze anymore, right? The Lord said, that's right. I said, "And God, that means don't pray to St. Jude anymore, right? The Lord said, that's right. I said, well, God, I just have one more question because maybe this is different. I said, does that mean don't pray to Mary anymore? You can't imagine how big she was in my mind. She was bigger to me than God was. She was the one I prayed to every night. Boy, we had these beads. It was ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. Ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. Ten Hail Marys, one Our Father. I guess you see the ratio of who's more important Ten to one, we was thinking Mary. And I was saying, Lord, then that means don't pray to Mary, right? The Lord spoke to me again. He said, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. I said, well, then, God, that means don't pray to Mary. The Lord said, that's right. I said, oh, Jesus, Lord, God, have mercy on me. All this time I've been doing that, I said, please forgive me, God. I said, Lord, I promise you. I'll never bow to the statues again. I'll never pray to the saints again. I said, God, these two things I vow I will never do. I said, but don't worry about me. I'll still stay Catholic. But these two things I'll never do. Well, you know what? God is a good God. When he finds an ear that's turned toward him, man, he'll start to speak. God started showing me more and more and more. And more, and I remember the last day boy, I was there in that Catholic church, it was a Saturday morning. They had this thing called confession, where what we would do so our sins could be forgiven. They had built these like wooden, they're almost like telephone booths. There's a space for the priest in the middle, and then there's a little booth for one person on the one side, and usually another on the other side. And what you do is you wait your turn, and you go into your little booth, and you sit down and when you uh, kneel down, it lets a little light go on in the priest's side and he knows someone's there and you're in there and all of a sudden he slides this little wooden thing over, open and it's like a white sheet there so he can't see it. First thing you say when that door gets opened is, Father, forgive me for I have sinned. Then you tell him what your sins are and then he tells you what prayers to pray and supposedly you're forgiven. Well, I have been going since I was six years old. And I was almost 16 years old by then. And I would still get so afraid. Our, our priests were all from Germany, boy. They was mad, mean guys. They'd yell at us. And I was so afraid I'm going to forget what to say when he slides this thing open. So I would always stand in the line and kind of practice it. And there was about four or five people in front of me, and I was just practicing. Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Someone would come out of one side. Someone would move up. We'd all move up one. And I'd practice again, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Someone come out the other side, this guy go, and we'd all move up one. I was practicing, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. This guy went in, and I was going to be the next one in, and I was practicing just one more time. I said, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. God spoke to me and said, Don't you remember I told you? Call no man on earth your father. Don't you know I'm your father? He said, And don't you remember what the Bible said? Who can forgive sin but God only? He said, You're in this line to go in there to tell that priest. He said, You know him? Boy, on that night of Columbus, baseball outings, he smokes a big old fat cigar, he drinks just as much beer as anybody, tells the dirtiest jokes of all, and you're going to him to say, Father, forgive me, for I have sinned? He said, That man needs to come to me. And I said, Oh, Lord. God said, You get out of that line right now. I said, All right, Jesus. I went over. I was... Oh, man, I was shaking. It was so much for me to understand. God spoke to me and said, Don't you know what the cross was all about? That's so you could come to me. You don't need to tell any man your sin. Just confess your sin to me. Just tell me all about it. I thought, Oh, God, I didn't know we could do this, Jesus. Oh, God, this is so great. I got up and I said, Lord, I promise you this. I was getting ready to go outside. And I said, God, I promise you. I'll never pray to the statues again. I'll never pray to the saints again. I'll never call the priest father again. God, I'll never confess my sins to that man again. I said, but God, don't worry about me. I'll still stay Catholic. And the Lord spoke to me and said, why? And I thought, what? God said, Joseph, everything I'm showing you from my word, they've taught, taught you differently. The things I say I hate, they've taught you to do. The things I've told you I love, You've never heard about him. He said, come out from here. I said, but God, where? You know the Lord, he don't always answer every question. And I'll tell you something else. It's easy to leave something when you know where you're going. But when you don't have any idea where God is taking you, man, it is so hard. But I'll tell you something else. Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He laid his life down for the sheep. He had the promise to take it back up. I'll tell you, if you would just commit yourself into the hands of Jesus Christ, your life will never, never, never be the same again. I told God, I'll tell you, Lord, I'm with you all the way, God. I left that church. I never went back. And I started thinking, oh, God. And I started reading my Bible more, 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 more. Well, I'll tell you, as I was reading my Bible, God started showing me so many beautiful things. And one day I was sitting in my house, and I was out in Chicago. I'd gone to visit my dad for the summer, and I was sitting there, and I was reading in the book of Acts, and I had just started it. And I'd read it before, time and time and time again, and I thought I knew everything, basically, that was in there. And as I started reading that, I saw something different. The first chapter, Jesus said that there was a promise that was going to be given his children, the Holy Ghost. He said, you wait in Jerusalem till you receive the power of the Holy Ghost. I, I saw that, and it started kind of something thinking in me. I got over there in the second chapter of the book of Acts, and I started reading. And, and we're all familiar with it pretty much, but it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, all the apostles, Mary the mother of Jesus, other disciples, numbering over a hun- or around 120, the Bible says, were together in one place, in one accord, and as they were waiting for the promise that Jesus had made, that they would be filled with the Spirit of God. The Bible said that suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it came and it filled all the house where they were sitting. The Bible said that instantly there was just fire in the midst. The Bible said it separated itself, and it sat upon each of them. Now, I wasn't reading the King James Version of the Bible. The version I was reading didn't say it sat upon each of their heads. The version I was reading said it engulfed them in flames. And boy, I thought, man, that must have been something. And I had remembered seeing those pictures on our little holy cards. You know, the apostles sitting there with little fires on their head, and Mary was usually in the middle, and she had the fire on her head. I remember that part, but I didn't remember the next part was the first time I'd noticed it. It said, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And boy, as I read that, I thought, oh, my word. I said, Lord, I never noticed that before. That must have been fabulous. Man, to have been there, had that experience with God. I thought, Lord, what is speaking in tongues? We didn't have that charismatic movement in the Catholic Church. We never heard of anything like that back when I was a teenager. We never heard of Pentecost or speaking in tongues. And I was thinking, well, Lord, what is speaking in tongues? I thought, would that have been like an angel came down and whispered in their ear and they would just repeat whatever they heard? Or would like they open their mouth like a radio and just some kind of a beam from heaven would just, wow, come out from their mouth? Or would God literally come inside of them and so?" filled them with his presence, that he would literally speak through them. I thought, oh, hallelujah, God, that would have been a wonderful time, God, to have been alive. I thought, Lord, I wish we had like that today. I just went back to reading my Bible. I thought, well, that was just for the apostles. But, oh, I wish I could have been an apostle, man, to have an experience with God like that.
1: <laughs> that would have
0: been me. So I just kept reading my Bible. Pretty soon I was over there in the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, and Peter had gone up to this Roman man named Cornelius. Didn't even really hardly believe he could even have part in the kingdom of God because he wasn't Jewish. And the Bible said that God had sent an angel to Cornelius. Said send for Peter. Peter had a vision. Said God said don't call anything that I've cleansed common or unclean. Went over there. Was obedient. Went to Cornelius' house. He began to witness about the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible said that as he was going on in his talk, he got to a particular point. That's a particular truth. That you know what? I don't think he really, as Peter was talking, I don't think he thought anything was going to happen. But in Acts 10.43, the Bible said that Peter was speaking to those people, and he got to this place in his talk about Jesus. He said to him, give all the prophets witness, that whosoever believeth on him through his name shall receive remission of sin. Praise God. The next verse said, while Peter yet spake these words, that there's remission of sins in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, that the Jews that came were so surprised, but the Bible said but none of them could say they didn't get the Holy Ghost, because they all heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. And I thought, oh Lord, there it is again. That's the second time, God. And I thought about it, and I thought, well, that was probably like once for the Jews to show that Jews could receive the Holy Ghost and once for the Gentiles to show that Gentiles could receive the Holy Ghost. I thought, well, Lord, oh, it would have been wonderful to be in the Book of Acts church. Too bad those days are finished. I kept reading and reading. And I'll tell you, by the time I got to the 19th chapter, it seemed like I wasn't reading the Bible anymore. It was like God was reading it to me. And I got there in the 19th chapter of the Book of Acts, and Paul had come up. To a city in Turkey called Ephesus, and he got there to that city, and the Bible said he found some men there that just by their lives he could see they were godly men. They had disciplined their lives to walk and follow after what they knew about God, but he saw something's missing here, and so he asked him a question. He said, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You know, when I read that verse, it was like God was asking me that question. Have you received the Holy Ghost? since you believed. and I stopped reading. I thought, well, Lord, I I think so. How would you know? I don't know, God. Maybe I did, maybe I didn't. I don't know. God, I don't know. I went back to reading, and boy, they was of that same frame of mind. They said, we haven't even heard that there be any experience of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible said that Paul preached more to them. He took them, he baptized them in the name of Jesus. He laid hands on them, the Bible said. And when he laid hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, the Bible said they were filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke in tongues and prophesied. And I thought, Lord, that's it, God. Out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, every word is established. I thought, my God, it was on the day of Pentecost with the Jews. It was there at Cornelius' household. It was here with the disciples of John the Baptist. I thought, oh, God, everybody in the New Testament that got the Holy Ghost spoke in tongues. I thought, why isn't that for today, God? The Lord spoke to me and said, Joseph, when you get the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in tongues. I thought, oh, hallelujah. I thought, oh, my Lord Jesus, I praise you, God. And I thought, well, Lord, then certainly somebody must have this. Must be some kind of church has the Holy Ghost. So I went to the man that I thought knew everything, my dad. And I went up to him and I said, Dad, where do you go to get the Holy Ghost? And he said, what? I said, well, where do you go to get the Holy Ghost? He said, you have the Holy Ghost. I said, no, Dad, I, I don't have the Holy Ghost. He said, well, what do you mean you don't have the Holy Ghost? I said, Dad, I never spoke in tongues. I don't have the Holy Ghost like they did in the Bible. He said, in the Bible? I said, yeah, Dad, I'm reading here in the Bible. And he said, what? I said, well, I'm reading here in the Bible. And he said, what? I said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, oh, Joseph. He said, don't you know? He said, listen, everyone I've ever known that read the Bible without a priest there to explain it to them, he said, Joseph, they end up leaving the Catholic Church, and if you do that, you'll be the same, and I was sitting there thinking, oh Lord, I already have, I already have, it's true, it's true. He said, listen, you've got the Holy Ghost, and I don't want to hear any more about it, and so I thought, well, all right, I thought, well, then Lord, if he don't know where to go to get the Holy Ghost, then I just wonder, and I started thinking, and there in Chicago, we used to have in the downtown part these guys called street preachers, and they would stand on the corners, and boy, they would yell, and they would preach and preach and preach, and they always scared me, because it seemed like all I ever heard was like bits and pieces of what they was talking about, and it always seemed like they'd be saying, the moon turned into blood, the sun to darkness, a third of the angels cast out, the bottomless pit opened, smoke death and destruction and boy that used to scare me but then I remember also they always used to yell repent repent and I would think well Lord now that wouldn't be the devil telling you to repent I, I thought well Lord I wonder if they're the ones with the Holy Ghost and so I'd go downtown and I'd be too scared to go up to them because they was always yelling and so I thought well Lord I'll just kind of look in these department store windows and please send them over to me God and Sure enough, boy, I'd be looking in those windows, and they'd always come and tap me on the shoulder. and I'd look up, and they'd always be these big old cowboy preacher guys. And First thing they'd say is, boy, are you saved? And I would say, well, uh, I, I think so. Who wants to say, no, I'm not saved? I'd say, well, I think so. They'd say, well, if you only think so. You're probably not saved. Would you like to be saved? And I'd say, yes, I, I'd love to be saved. They'd reach in their pocket, pull out a little piece of paper, put it in my hand. They'd say, just repeat this prayer after me. And they'd start, dear Lord. And I'd say, dear Lord, I'm a sinner. And I'd say, I'm a sinner. I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. I'm saved. I'm saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, and I would say in Jesus' name. They'd say Amen, and I'd say Amen. They'd say, Now don't you feel better? And I would always say, No, I don't. And that would kind of throw them for a loop. And they'd start hemming and hawing. They'd go, Um, um, um. Well, well, not everybody that gets saved gets an experience with God. And boy, when they would say that, my heart would just boom hit the sidewalk. I'd think, Oh Lord, please, Jesus. God, please don't let that be true. And God, if it is true, please, God, have mercy on me. I need an experience with you so much. I want to know you, Jesus. I want to have friendship with you, Lord. I want to walk with you. I want to talk with you. Lord, I want to be with you, Jesus. Please, God, if there is an experience to be had with you, please, Lord, give me an experience with you. They'd start going on and on and on. And I'd just be praying and God would speak to me. Something like we heard this morning, the Lord just spoke and said, Joseph, how could it be that the God that out of darkness and chaos that spoke and said, let there be light and there was light from one end of the universe to the other. How could it be that a God with that much power could come into your life and live inside of you and you wouldn't have an experience with him? And I would think, "Oh Jesus, Hallelujah, that's right, God." And then that preacher guy boy, he'd tap me on the shoulder again. He'd say, "Well, let's just pray it one more time just to be on the safe side." I'd say, "Oh, that's it. I must have left out a word. That's why it didn't work for me." or I didn't put enough emphasis, and the Lord didn't see I really wanted this. And so we'd start again, "Dear Lord." And I'd say, "Dear Lord." And I'd say. Dear Lord, and I'd say I am a sinner. And I'd say, I am a sinner. They'd say, please come into my heart. I'd say, please come into my heart. I accept you as my Savior. I accept you as my Savior. I am saved. I am saved. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. And I'd say, in Jesus' name. They'd say, amen. And I'd say, amen. And they'd always say, now don't you feel better and you're going to have to forgive me, but I would always say, oh, yes, I do. And they would go away, and I would think, oh, God, I don't. What's wrong with me, Lord? All these people reading this prayer off of the back of a piece of paper, God, they've got to be getting something, Lord. What's wrong with me, God? What's wrong with me, Jesus? I wanted to know where to go to get the Holy Ghost, God. I thought they could tell me, Lord, Lord, please lead me to where you can get the Holy Ghost. And so summer was over, went back to Fresno to be with my uh, mother and to go to school out in Fresno that year and I was lucky my records wouldn't be transferred for another month so I had an extra month off from school. Everybody else was going and one day one of my friends from school called me up and they said, Joseph, there's a Bible study group that meets here every, sa- or every afternoon at, at 12 o'clock right here on the grass here at the high school and anybody can go and we thought you might want to come and I said, well, are you going to the Bible study? They said, not on your life. I said, well, I don't know that I could go by myself. They said, well, go or don't go. It's up to you. And they hung up. I thought, well, Lord, isn't that funny that somebody that doesn't think anything about God called to invite me to a Bible study. I thought, boy, I bet that's God leading me on. So the next day, 12 o'clock, man, I was there. Now, this was back in 1972. And we had this group of people called the Jesus People. I don't know if you remember them, but you know, it was just young people trying to feel after God just like I was. Didn't have nobody to show them the right way to God. And boy, they had these big old bell bottoms and purple tie-dyed t-shirts and love beads, And the guys had long hair and goatees. And the girls had this long, long hair that they would iron to get it perfectly straight. Now, don't go doing that, boy, because they'd even burn little patterns. <laughs> well, oh, that was horrible. And they would iron their hair and have blue jeans and these work shirts and they was all sitting down at the Bible study. So I came over, and the man that was teaching looked up. He said, hey, man, come over. Join the Bible study. I said, well, that's what I came for. He said, make some room for him. I sat down. He said, what's your name, man? I said, well, my name is Joseph. And He said, well, Joseph, it's, it's great to have you here. I, I believe God brought you here. He said, now, listen, today we're talking about somebody that is so groovy, you just have to know him. And, and I thought, oh, Lord, groovy. I knew who they was talking about. He said, Yes, sir, it's Jesus, that man from Galilee. He is the grooviest cat. Boy, he is so great. You need to know him. And I was thinking, Lord, I do. I need to know you, Jesus. I need to know you, Lord. And I thought, Whoa, they're not yelling about it. I went for two weeks and they wasn't yelling about the moon turned to blood and death angels and swords of fire and so I thought, Well, maybe they're the ones with the Holy Ghost. And so I went for two weeks and then the next week was the third week, and by that Thursday afternoon of the third week, I was thinking, Lord, these folks don't have the Holy Ghost, God. They're all reading the same prayer off the book of a piece of, or off the back of a piece of paper. Come into my heart, God, I personal Savior, God. The, all this stuff, Lord, but they're not talking about the power in the Book of Acts, Jesus. They're talking about how groovy you are, God, but they're not talking about how to have a living relationship. With the Almighty God. I was walking home that Thursday afternoon and I was thinking, Lord, now come on, Jesus. I want the Holy Ghost, God. I want it like it was in the book of Acts. Somebody's got to have that, Lord. And Lord, please show me, God. Please, Lord, send somebody to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost. And I had walked into our apartment complex and it was, oh, it was enormous. And the parking lot was about two blocks long. And as I was walking across the parking lot, I was just praying. Jesus, please, I want the Holy Ghost. Lord, send somebody to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost, God. Lord, if there's anybody in this city that knows about the Holy Ghost, please, God, lead them to me, Jesus. And as I was walking, it seemed like God wasn't hearing me at all. Then all of a sudden, it started raining. So we had this sidewalk that ran the whole length of the parking lot and had a roof over it so if it rained, you could get out of the rain. So I got out of the rain, and I started praying again, Lord, please, God. I want the Holy Ghost, Lord. Please send somebody to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost. didn't seem like God was listening to me at all. And I thought, well, now, come on, Jesus. I'm so honest with you right now, God. Really, Lord, I want the Holy Ghost more than
1: anything, God.
0: Why are you not hearing my prayer? And I thought, what could I do to show God I want the Holy Ghost? And then I thought, oh, man, of course. I know why God's not hearing my prayer. Because here it is raining, and where am I? Where it's dry. I thought, boy, if I wanted to show God I wanted the Holy Ghost, I'd get out in the rain. So I got out there in the rain, and I just started walking. Jesus, I want the Holy Ghost, Lord. I want the Holy Ghost, God. Send somebody, Lord, to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost. And it didn't seem like God was listening to me at all. And I thought, oh, Lord, Lord, I'm not walking where it's dry, God. I'm out here in the rain. Why are you not listening to me, God? And I looked around to see what more I could do. And then I noticed where that roof ran down. They didn't have a gutter there, so that water was just <laughs> pouring straight down. I thought, oh, Lord, I know why. You're not impressed. God, lots of people caught out in the rain right now, but who would deliberately get right where that's coming down full blast and walk under that to show you they wanted the Holy Ghost? So I got under there, and boy, I started walking. Jesus, I want the Holy Ghost. Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Please, God, send me somebody to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost. It didn't seem like God was hearing me at all. And I thought, oh, Jesus, Lord, come on, God. I'm not walking where it's dry. I'm not even walking where it's wet. God, I'm walking where it's coming down full blast. If anybody sees me, God, they're going to think I'm crazy. But, God, I want the Holy Ghost. What more can I do? And then I looked down and I noticed, boy, where this water was coming down, they'd put in a gravel flower bed so the dirt wouldn't wash away. I thought, that's it. I said, God, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to just walk in the rain. I'm not just going to walk where it's coming, but, Lord, I'm going to take off my shoes and socks and walk barefoot in this gravel, under this water, so you see how much I want the Holy Ghost. And I took my shoes and socks off and got right under that water, and, boy, started walking. Jesus, I want the Holy Ghost. Lord, I want the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, I've got to have the Holy Ghost. Jesus, where do you go to get the Holy Ghost, Lord? Send somebody to tell me where to go to get the Holy Ghost. You know in the middle of all that foolishness, God broke through to my hard heart. And he spoke to me and said, if you want it that bad, you're going to get it. He said, tomorrow at that Bible study, I will send someone to tell you where to go to get the Holy Ghost. Now, you know why I told you that? Not so that we get people. If you're looking for the baptism of the Holy Ghost, man, you don't have to find, get out in the rain. You don't have to walk barefoot in gravel. But you know, it illustrates something. You will never get anything in your life till you get to the place where you come face to face with God and you tell him, God, I don't care who's looking. I don't care what anybody thinks. God, I will do anything. I'll do anything, God, to get what I need from you. I don't want to live another day without my own salvation. Hallelujah to God. Boy, I went up there to that Bible study the next day. Oh, man, I felt like I had the Holy Ghost already. I could feel God all over me. I went to that Bible study. Boy, I was thinking, I know what's going to happen. And so I got there, sat down, and the man was teaching. I thought, just any minute, he's just going to stop and say, oh, you, you wanted to know where to go to get the Holy Ghost. Well, I can tell you, but he didn't. And then I thought after a while, well, maybe this lady sitting right here is kind of going to nudge me in the side with her elbow and say, hey, man, did you want to know where to go to get the Holy Ghost? I can tell you. But she didn't. And after a while, I thought, well, maybe this guy sitting over here with these purple love beads is going to like nudge me and say, hey, man, I just had the grooviest experience you could ever think of. I just got the Holy Ghost, and I can tell you where to go to get it, too. But he didn't. Finally, the Bible study was finished. They prayed. One by one, they all went away. I just kept sitting in the grass thinking, well, Lord, you was going to send somebody. They've all gone away. God, the guy that was teaching it was putting his books in the bag. And then I thought, oh, I know. That's it. He was waiting until they all left because it must be a secret about the Holy Ghost. And I'll tell you, it must have been. Because we had so many Pentecostal churches in our city, nobody ever told me about the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you. So he was putting it away. He said, well, the Bible said he's over, man. I said, well, yeah, I, I know that. He said, well, you're going to be here next week? I said, well, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure. He said, well, God bless you, man. He put his bag over and walked away. And as he walked away, I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, I thought you was going to send somebody to tell me about the Holy Ghost, Lord. God, I, I thought you spoke to me, God. I thought, Lord, maybe I can't have the Holy Ghost. Lord, if, if you thought better about it, if you thought about it twice and decided that after all I wasn't worthy to be filled with your Spirit, I said, Lord, I understand that, God, and I love you anyway, but I just want you to know, man, that's what I wanted more than anything was the Holy Ghost, God. But, Lord, if I can't have it, that's all right. There's better people than me. And I got up and I started walking away, and, boy, I was just crying because I thought God just didn't love me at all. As I was walking across that grass, all of a sudden, someone touched me on the shoulder. And man, when they touched me on the shoulder, I felt the power of God just go from my head down to my toes. All I could think is Jesus is here. And I turned around to see who it was. You know who it was? It was just another 17-year-old boy. And boy, when he had touched me, I felt that. He saw me crying. And when he had touched me, my mouth started going like that. And I thought, what is this? And I had turned around and he thought he had scared me. He said, oh man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to scare you. I said, oh no, you didn't scare me, but when you touched me, I felt Jesus. He said, really? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, you know, he said, I- I've never done anything like this before. He said, I've only been a Christian for about two weeks. He said, but you know, I was sitting over there on that bench eating my lunch, and as I was eating my lunch, the Lord spoke to me and said, go over to him. Tell him where to go to get the Holy Ghost, and Boy, when I heard that come out of his mouth, man, my hands just went up. I thought, oh, God, oh, God, every step of the way. You're, you're in front of me, God. I'm not in front of you, man. You're in front of me, God. You're leading me. I, he said, would you like to come to our church? And boy, I just grabbed him. I said, yes, yes, I, I, I'd love to go to your church. And he said, now, wait a minute, man. You don't even know what kind of church it is. And I thought, oh, Joseph, look at you, man. You're crying. You had your hands up in the air. Your mouth is going, you've grabbed this guy. Yes, yes, yes. He's going to think you're nuts. I, I, I told myself, get a hold of yourself. So I kind of went, well, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, I don't know. Uh, what kind of church is it? He said, well, it's a Pentecostal church. And I had never heard of that. So I said, well, Pentecostal, I said, is that like a, that religion from India where you all have to shave your heads and have ponytails? And he said, what? I said, well, you know, is that like some religion from India or something? Or is that like a Christian religion? He said, Christian? He said, of course we're Christian. I said, well, what do you believe? He said, I'll tell you what we believe. He said, we believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. That Joseph Jesus loved us so much that he gave his all to open up a way of salvation. He said, Joseph, if you'll be washed in the blood of Jesus, baptized in the name of Jesus, then you can be filled with the Spirit of Jesus. He said, and when Jesus comes in, you'll speak in tongues just like they did in the book of Acts. And boy, when he said tongues, I thought, oh, hallelujah. God, that's it, man. I've been looking for this. I said, when is church? He said, well, tonight, Friday night, 7 o'clock, you service. He said, I'll pick you up. I said, oh, I I would appreciate that so much. He said, listen, i like to get there first, so I'll be there at 6 o'clock. Will you be ready? I said, oh, yes, sir, I'll be ready. Went home, told my mom. I said, mom, you don't have to make dinner for me tonight. I'm going to church. She said, well, there's nothing over at the Catholic Church. I said, well, it's not the Catholic Church. She said, well, you're not going to that Lutheran church that's showing the cowboy movies to get the young people in, are you? I said, no, mom. I'm not going to cowboy movies. She said, well, what kind of church are you going to? I said, well, they call it like a Pentecostal church. She said, I don't believe you. I said, no, really, they call it Pentecostal church. She said, oh, I know that. I just don't believe you. I said, why not? She said, Joseph, don't you know who those people are? I said, no. She said, Joseph, those are the holy rollers when she said that, I thought, oh, no, no, Lord, I couldn't go. God, he didn't tell me that. He tricked me. I said, God, I'm going to call him up right now and tell him I'm sick. I can't go. And I was going over to the phone, and the Lord said, Joseph, that'd be a lie. I said, yes, Lord, but I didn't know there was holy rollers. The Lord said, listen, Joseph, I hate liars. I said, yeah, God, I know that. But, God, come on, there's going to be running and jumping and screaming. The Spirit has me, and, Lord, I don't know. God, I'm so scared. The Lord said, listen, you told him you're going to go. You know what you need to do? I said, yeah, I know what I need to do, God. I need to go. The Lord said, well, don't forget. He said about tongues. I said, yeah, but I didn't know tongues and holy rolling went like that. So I started praying, oh, God, please don't let him come. Oh, God, please don't let him come. Oh, God, let his car break down. Let him change his mind. But 6 o'clock, ding dong, boy, he was right there. I thought, well, thank you, Jesus. And I got in the car, and we went. Got there to the church, and sure enough, we was the first people in the church. And it was a church about as large as this, maybe just these two aisles. And walked into the back, and we was the first ones there. And when I came into the sanctuary through the swinging doors, I looked, and boy, right across the front, there was the big old platform. And I thought, oh my Lord, they really do it. I thought, good night. So I just headed in right to the back row, was flush up against the wall. I started in, and he just caught my arm and said, oh, no, you can't sit here. And I thought, what? He said, no, you you can't sit here. I said, oh, no, man, this is exactly where I can sit. He said, no, you have to sit in the front with me. My pastor says all the young men have to sit on the front row. I said, oh, please. I said, brother, he's your pastor. He's not my pastor. I said, please, I couldn't do that. He said, oh, no, you have to. I said, no, because you know what I'm thinking? That you guys are going to try and, like, touch the back of my neck or put something down my back or someone's going to try and grab me and make me yell, the spirit has me or throw me down on the ground or something. I said, I couldn't do that. I said, please, please. I said, you don't know it, Steve. I said, but right now I am so scared. It's all I can do to keep from turning around and running right out those doors. I said, please let me sit back here. He said, well, all right, but I'm going to sit up front. I thought, that's fine, because if anybody was going to do anything, it might have been him. So he was up front, and they all started coming in. And I don't know what it was like here in Louisiana back in 1972, but out in California, they had this like fashion for Pentecostal ladies. And what it was was the bigger their hairdos, I guess, the more Holy Ghost they thought they had or something. All these ladies would take like Quaker oatmeal boxes and orange juice cans and scotch tape them together and stick them on there and pack this stuff called crepe wool. It looks like hair, but it's really not. And when they would get everything just there, then they'd take their real hair. Oh, man, it must have been about 10 cans of hairspray to hold that up. I had seen those ladies before one time at a Taco Bell, and I was sitting there. I didn't know it was a religion. I was just sitting there looking at them thinking, good Lord, who are they? did you ever see a hairdo that big in your life? And they was just eating tacos and talking. And I was thinking, well, who are they, Lord? Who are they? And then finally I thought, oh, I know who they are. They must be like square dancers from the hills. And so when they started coming in, I thought, oh, Lord, this must be like some kind of square dance religion or something. Boy, I'll tell you, so they came in and pretty soon the church was filled up and they started singing those songs. And man, I'll tell you, I had never heard fast music in a church before. And they was clapping. I thought, oh, man, this is great. They were singing songs about Jesus and clapping. And every once in a while, someone put their hands up and yelled, hallelujah. And I tried to do that once, but I just couldn't. And it kind of made me laugh, you know. And I thought, oh, Lord, I, I don't know that I could ever be Pentecostal God. And they went on for the whole service. But, you know, in the whole service, nobody yelled the Spirit has me. Nobody ran the aisles. Nobody jumped up and down or whatever I was expecting them to do. I didn't even hear anybody speaking in tongues. And by the end of that service, I thought, well, Lord, now that's really, maybe they save it all up. Must be Sunday night, must be their big night. I thought Friday's probably just youth service, and Sunday's their big day for holy rolling. So after church, my friend came and said, well, Joseph, did you enjoy the service? And I said, yes. He said, well, uh, what did you think about it? I said, well, it wasn't really what I was expecting. I said, but, you know, I I just wonder, are we allowed to, like, come back and visit again, like, more than once if we didn't join your religion? He said, well, sure. You can come back as often as you want. I said, well, I'd like to come Sunday, could I? And he said, man, I'd be glad to. He picked me up Sunday morning service. And so I went. Nobody ran around. Nobody jumped up and down. Nobody yelled the spirit has me. No one jumped out of the platform. I thought it must be in the night. So I came back in the night. Nothing. Nobody's speaking in tongues. Well, I didn't feel anything. I went for one week, two weeks, three weeks. And I was there in the Sunday school class that Sunday morning thinking, Lord, you know, God, it seemed like you brought me such a long, long way. I said, God, you brought me from Catholic church to reading the Bible, from reading the Bible to seeking the Holy Ghost, to the cowboy preachers in Chicago, the Jesus people there, now to this Pentecostal church. God, I'll tell you, none of those guys had the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, these people are so nice. I said, but Lord, I just don't think they've got the Holy Ghost. I said, Lord, you know I think this is the last time I'm coming back to this church. I said, maybe it's the Lutherans or the Methodists or the Presbyterians, but God, I want the Holy Ghost. And right while I was kind of daydreaming that in the class, the lady that was teaching, she just stopped. She said, I don't know who it is, but somebody in this class just told God this is the last time you're coming back to this church. Boy, when she said that, It was like when that guy touched me on the shoulder, but this time nobody had touched me. Man, it was just coming down. My mouth started going like that again, but this time up and down my back. I was just thinking, what is that? She just kept going on. She said, you don't think we've got the Holy Ghost. I thought, oh, my Lord Jesus. These people are all like x-ray machines. They know everything you're thinking. She went on. She said, you think it's the Lutherans or the Methodists or the Presbyterians? Boy, when she said Presbyterians, I wanted to fall right out in that aisle and cry out to God. I thought, oh, Lord, a miracle, just like in the Bible. God has shown this woman the very innermost thinking of my heart. And she's standing there telling me. I thought, oh, my God. And she went on. She said, listen, God brought you to this place so you can receive the Holy Ghost. She said, if you feel the Spirit of God moving on you this morning, don't be afraid and pull back. She said, go with God he'll cleanse you, he'll fill you with his spirit, he'll give you the privilege to be baptized in his name. She said, but listen, you have got to make the first step. Go with God. And then she went back to teaching her lesson like it wasn't nothing. And I was still sitting there going, I was thinking, Lord, please don't let anybody look at me. They'll think I've got Parkinson's disease. Finally, Sunday school was over. We all went into the sanctuary, and they had already started up the music. And, boy, as I came through those swinging doors, it was just the glory everywhere. I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, has this been here all along? That's what those people were feeling, God. That's why they'd all say hallelujah and worship you and praise you and God all along. And I never felt this, oh, God. And, boy, I felt like I was just walking through a mist as I came up. By then I saw no one's going to grab me and make me run the aisles or whatever, so I had come up to the front row, and I was sitting over there, and the man came up behind the pulpit, and he said, All right, this morning let's open our songbooks to page 268 and sing Everybody Will Be Happy Over There. I had heard that song, and I recognized that title, and it was a fast song, and they was already playing it. And I thought, Man, this is great. I, 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 I love this song. My friend knew I wasn't free to worship God. Like he would have liked to see me worshiping God, but I could clap. So my friend would always hold that songbook for me so the little bit of worship I could get in, I could do. And boy, he'd stand there and we started. There's a happy land of promise over in the great beyond where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share. And man, that's as far as we got. Because when we got to that part in the verse, man, the Spirit of God just went into that place. Oh, I thought, hallelujah. The only way I can describe what I felt, you know those hurricane lamps they have when your power goes out and it's a kerosene lamp and you light it? Well, when you want to blow it out, you just put your hand over the the chimney and go, and it's out. But when they got to the place in the song where it said, Where the saved of earth shall soon the glory share. Man, I felt the hand of God come down in back of me. I felt the spirit of God move on me and just go, hush. Stop singing. Man, I felt like a candle that had just been blown out with that last little wisp of smoke going up. I stopped singing right in the middle of the verse. And when I stopped, I noticed, man, everybody in the church just stopped. The organ stopped, the drums stopped, the big old bass thing stopped, the xylophone stopped, the piano stopped, the guitar stopped, the saxophone stopped, the lady with the accordion just went, wow, like that. And I thought, oh, hallelujah, God. A miracle's going to happen, God. A miracle's going to happen right now, Jesus. Lord, what's going to happen, God? And I, I, I started looking around. I thought, Lord, is the pastor just going to rise up and fly around the church two or three times to show the power of God? I'll tell you, man, I believed it then. I believe it now. My God can do anything. Praise God. I thought, Lord, is an angel going to come and speak to us like he did at Cornelius Household? Or, Jesus, are you going to materialize in front of us like you did to Saul on his way into Damascus and speak to us? I thought, oh, God, what's going to happen? Well, you know what? All of a sudden, man, that lady with the accordion just started speaking in tongues so loud. Boy, she was just woo woo woo, And I looked at that, and, man, my hands went right up because all I could think is, oh, God, wasn't just for the church at Corinth, God wasn't just for the church in jerusalem god wasn't just there in joppa god but right here in fresno california god in 1972 god there's someone right in front of me that has the privilege of being filled with your spirit god speaking in tongues just like they did in the bible and boy she was just going at it mm, so loud and i looked around and they was all worshiping god And i thought oh lord i don't understand anything she's saying god and Yeah, right.